Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. Live Science 
for all kinds of cool solar system stuff because, oh, yeah, and another thing that happened this week and or last week is we have another extra solar visitor in our uh, solar system. So check that out. Looks like uh, the first one we found wasn't the first and only, and we've got lots of visitors flying in and out of our solar system, and so we've got things, but can't find any aliens, right? We had Area 51 last week, or was was it this week? I don't know. It was a bus. Last week. <laughs> last week. It was a bus. Okay, let's storm Area 51. And did you see those people? Ugh. They looked like they were ready to storm the beer um, section of the 7-Eleven. So that was a bust. How unfortunate. Hey, hey, yeah. Why is it that 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 um, spaceships always show up, you know, at uh, uh, redneck places, you know, like uh, Alabama know. or things like that? Never in New oh York City God. or Washington D.C. Wait, wait a second. Um, my friends in Alabama, I didn't say that. He said that, and I know that Huntsville is the most progressive area around. So that wasn't. I I need to throw out a disclaimer, okay? Um, What is said by other people on this show are not necessarily my opinions. I love Alabama. Especially when I I speak it. I would like to say, any. I'm from Tennessee, right? Right. Any insult to the great. Cousin Marion State of Alabama is okay by me, so I was called for with for one. Yeah, well, they do a lot of rocket science in Alabama, in Huntsville. Um, so all I've got to say is I don't want to impair their brightness. They have bright minds there. <laughs> I don't think that any. I mean, look where I live, Fresno. Yeah, we're we're like the dumbest place in California, but we still have some brightness. <laughs> okay, I don't know. So, it's between you and Bakersfield. I'm just saying. Well, Carl, you didn't live here long enough to know anything anyway, so. <laughs> I don't know you anything know. anyway. Period. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not so worried. Okay, first off, first thing I really want to say is after all the solar science and all of that, which is cool stuff, and everyone should be out there looking forward to the great things that our scientists are doing, our astronomers, our astrophysicists, and all of that. Um, Just Google it and look at the cool things. Okay, here, one of our very good friends here at – Vicky loves sci-fi and at Steve's video store and even Carl and his show, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> Carl's Tavern. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Tavern or cavern? <laughs> tavern. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> it was going to be called Tavern, but he couldn't get the liquor license. <laughs> All right, I can't help it. I got you laughing, Mickey. It's the best laugh I've had in a while. Um, Good. Okay. 
our really good friend, Joe Lemieux, who has been involved in movies for years and years and years, helped produce and um, been second director, I think, on many horror films. And um, uh, he wrote and directed a film called The Soup. And it is up for several awards at the Shauna Shea Film Festival that's happening this week and next week. Well, this week and next weekend. And um, it's up for Best Feature. And let's see what else. I, I have them listed right here. Best Writer Feature. Best Writer in a Feature. Best um, Female Actress. And there's one other, one other, and I don't remember where it's at. But all I want to say is I don't want to sit here and look and look for it. I just think that this is the most fantastic thing for someone who got me into filmmaking and someone who has been, his whole love of film is, is it, it just, comes off of him like this bright shining light and he deserves to have his break and and people to see how hard he's worked and what a great I've seen the stoop and I think it's a great film and good luck to him I and good luck to his lead actress and his co-writer I just hope great things um, are in store in the future because just being nominated at this film festival, which is part of New England Film Festival uh, uh, gatherings in the fall, um, gosh, I just think it's great. Congratulations, Joe, and keep on going. Oh, and by the way, his company's called Ion Spear, um, Spire uh, Films, and I think that you should look forward to seeing more from him. And Carl, you have yeah, something yeah. to add? First, first, I think we ought to all congratulate Joe. That's a great honor. Um, yes. And, and I've known Joe for a number of years too, and 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 he just works really, really hard. And I think that's good. Yeah, I I do have someone else I want to mention briefly. Now, wait, I want to um, say something first. Okay. If you at the festival don't vote for Joe. I will come there and unleash bodily fluids upon <laughs> your foot protection devices. <laughs> and, and I will also come and uh, strap you to a chair and make you listen to my puns for an hour. And that will just blow <sighs> your mind, okay? So I do have something else I, I do want to mention, someone else. Um uh, someone who's been on my show a number of year, uh, times. Uh, his name is Daniel Kramer. He is a filmmaker out of uh, San Francisco. And he has um, directed a film called Overwhelm the Sky. And instead of doing the festival circuit, he's doing a road show presentation. Uh, and has uh, uh, already premiered in L.A. to rap reviews, uh, San Francisco. And he's going across the country. And uh, his film will be premiering here in November. And uh, uh, I will be part of that audience. And, and, and uh, I just want to congratulate um, congratulate Dan on, on a tremendous success with his film, too. 
and it's called Overwhelm the Sky. Yes. You're starting to see more films of the indie statue like his hitting the festival circuit and, as you call it, the roadshow circuit, which is like under 20 theaters, more nowadays than you probably did back in the 80s when it really was an underground scene. Right, right. Uh, uh, Again, it has to do with uh, being where you're supposed to be. You know, I'm now back in New York, so I am in a very good position to see this stuff. And we have a marching band outside. Uh, It's scary. Um, But, uh, yeah, you're seeing it a lot more, and it's really nice for for Dan. He's a good guy. He's also a writer. Uh, uh, he's written uh, biographies on Sidney Fury. He's doing one on Henry Jaglum, and he's also doing one on uh, I can't think of her name right now. Um, uh, Joan Micklin Silver, that's who it is. But he's he's got a number of uh, projects in the works. So so uh, congratulations, to Dan Kramer too. Right, congratulations to these people who work so hard to bring us entertainment. I think it's. Um, and what you said, Stephen, don't you think that um, these days the better films are the indie films? Oh, good Lord, yes. I mean, um, they they have fresh ideas. Everyone says, oh, there's nothing fresh in Hollywood. Well, there isn't. Um, you have to go to the indie films to see something that is really um, interesting, that captivates your um, your imagination. Because the crap coming out of Hollywood these days is just that, pretty much crap. Superhero movies, blockbusters, you know, Star Wars and stuff, but nothing really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you so you guys have seen the trailer I sent to you of one that's playing at the Knoxville Horror Fest, a sci-fi film that's coming out under the radar, and that's Blood Machines. Right, that's looks really good. That looks like the last 20 minutes of uh, 2001 dragged out in the future feature length, doesn't it, Carl? I, I actually have not seen that. that so yeah, I can't, I'm telling you, uh, I don't need a trailer. The one that looks like a live-action Mobius cartoon that has the girl with the crucifix I have not seen on her chest. I have not seen it yet. I mean, you may have given it to me, but I have not seen it. Ah, God, you're getting too old for your young age, Yeah. Well, all I know is that um, you should keep your eye on the indie films because that's where where you're going to find the most enjoyment these days. Um, It's rare when Hollywood puts out something that is really worth... um, your time, effort, and money. However, that goes uh, segues right into the film I saw last weekend, which was sort of, you know, a Hollywood film, big budget and all, but um, that was Ad Astra with um, Brad Pitt. And, man, uh, look, that film is not for everyone, but it was fantastic. Um 
everyone was so quiet. My son asked me, he turns to me and he goes, are you asleep, mom? And I go, are you kidding me? It's it's a quiet film and it takes on what space is. Space is quiet. There's no sound waves. I mean, I would imagine space is really noisy, but for our ears, we can't hear it. And so uh, sound waves don't carry until they hit an atmosphere or something. And so a lot of that film is quiet, but it's so interesting that I didn't care. I loved it. Two hours of bliss for me. And, Brad and Carl, was really it's good. like, uh, what's his name, the guy that did uh, Stalker and... Uh, Tarkovsky. Yeah. As in, what if they sent out, you know, usually we're going to send out a spaceship in the outer space to find life, and they end up finding life, you know. Mm-hmm. This one deals with the repercussions of what if they sent out a project to find life and they don't. Okay. Right. Right. Like, when do you come home? When is your mission over? You know, seriously, I never really even thought about that until this movie. When is your mission over? If you're sent out to find life and you go to a certain place and you don't find it, so is your mission over then because you've run out of fuel or something? But what if you have an endless supply of fuel? What if you have a nuclear reactor or something, an ion drive or something that, that you know, fuels your ship for a very long time? You turn around and come back home or do you keep going? Well, not, you know, not everyone. As, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's a five-year mission to boldly go wherever you you find it and then come back. Well, can no one? Yes. Not not everyone feels that way. Well, well, what okay. Is, I was making, of course, a joke on 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 uh, Star, on Star Trek. Yeah. Star yeah, Trek. But, but yeah, you do have a point there. And you it do not want to go out forever. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe somebody does, but no, no. You know, there has to be a time limit. I don't, I, I don't buy that, to be honest. That that really? is an infinite time limit. No, no way. You have family. You have people. You know, there, there, there's. Wait, 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 stop. Please don't say irrational things when you're talking about traveling in outer space. You have family? Well, if you have family, you, you're pretty much telling your family, if you're going on a, a long space journey, you're right. pretty much telling your family goodbye. Right. Okay? Or at least for a very long time. So it's not the you same. You have a point. No, it's and they do bring up that question. Every and they do bring up every question, everything that Carl says. 
that what you said, Carl, is really the motivating impetus for the last third of the movie. Yeah. No, and well, I understand because... that. I mean, I've, I've I've seen the trailers and that. I've not seen the movie, mind you, but I've no, seen the, the trailers. trailers and... don't, the trailers don't really give that that idea away. Yeah. The, the idea more of an intellectual of... discussion than the right. sci-fi action film that the trailer gives oh. out. Yeah, right. to me that uh, there was no way I was buying that as a sci-fi action film. I knew better. I knew it was cerebral. I I can I I I got that right away. Well, you know what I liked about it is that it was quiet. Not just because it was space and it should be quiet in certain spots, but that there's a new trend and I like this of science fiction being quiet and thoughtful as opposed to all those really loud um, action superhero films. I love John Wick as much as anyone else, and it's really loud, and I just love the fun of it. But with um, movies like it's, it kind of started with Interstellar, kind of. But um, Inception was kind of quiet, too, in a way. But as, um, like, uh, Annihilation, um, First Man wasn't science fiction. It was a fictional story or some fiction about, yeah. But there, um, uh, Blade Runner 2049, real quiet, and Arrival, real quiet, Um I just like this trend. Annihilation, like I said, is quiet. This trend right. that... And, you know, well, there's another movie, the Outland with Sean Connery. It's quiet. It's not really loud. And, have, you and seen, so, have you seen Highlights yet? What? Oh, yeah. Have you yeah, seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally saw it. Is, is that also quiet? Yes. Oh, and there's that yeah. robot one, I Am Mother, or, yeah. Yeah. Quiet, quiet film. But even if you go back to things like Robot and Frank and, 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 and some things, what's, what's happening, what you're describing, is that there seems to be this reaction to every action is an equal and opposite reaction for, you know, more thoughtful, cerebral science fiction films, which harkens back then to literature and to the more sense of reading a sci-fi novel as we did when we were kids, right? Right, uh, right. That's exactly and, what I feel. And so Isn't so I, I, I agree with you 100%. I prefer my sci-fi to be cerebral. Of course, you and I will, will always disagree, but my favorite sci-fi film is Solaris. Which you can't get more cerebral than that, particularly the Tarkovsky. Well, you can now because yeah, there have yeah. been films made that are are like that. And and it, you discount 2001 when you say you can't get more cerebral than well, well, um, again, Solaris. Of course, of course, 2001. But that that you know that's always been you know our our difference. I'm, I'm Solaris, and 
your 2001. And I like, and that doesn't mean no, I don't want no, to. don't say oh. that. Don't say that. That's okay. not true. Well, look at horror films too. We've got let's see, uh, The Witch, Midsummer, Midsummer, Lighthouse. Oh, uh, Lighthouse! You're starting to good. see that stream come with horror films too, where they're getting quieter and telling and a quieter war. story rather than right. To me, right. it's a backlash like, against the superhero movies because oh, they are so loud and pew, pew, pew. You're starting to see the backlash. And yeah. do, you, do you remember when you were in 30 in the movies that came out like, uh, let's see, Shawshank Redemption, a quiz show, uh, movies made for the older audience which were raised on the 50s. And 60s films. Right. Uh, Gran Torino, a Clint Eastwood right. movie. Really quiet. Yeah. Now you're seeing films made for you guys who were raised in the 70s. <laughs> like right. When I went to see uh, Rocket Man, the Elton John movie, there was mm-hmm. nothing. There was no one. I was the youngest one in there at 48. The rest of the audience were around your guys' age. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And my mom was, you guys are going to have a lot cooler old-style movies than the generation before. Right. Because... Think about just think about the generation right now. Who's, who's going to do a, a biopic on on their pop stars? Yeah. Oh God. I mean, and and then like say the uh, the last generation with the Justin Bieber's and that stuff. Who's gonna? I mean, sure they're gonna they're gonna make them, but what kind of a piece of crap movie will that be? <laughs> and how many 70s style films are you starting to see come out, Carl? Ones that are love notes to uh, Altman. Well, that's Paul Thomas Anderson. You don't like his yeah. stuff, but his stuff is a love note to Altman. Oh, absolutely. But you know you know what? Again, it, it, you, you've seen you know, directors in that go back to the things they love and things that influence them. You know, I mean, I mean, take a look at Ty West. The last film he did wasn't a horror movie. It was a Western, which, which was one of the best films of the, of that year that I saw called, uh, in well, the Valley what? of, uh, in the Valley of Violence. And, and, and that was a, you know, again, you, you're seeing, these newer directors, these younger directors, uh, a generation before us, you know, or after us, um, after looking us. back at our movies and being influenced, and 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 then coming out with their own. Look, look at what Robert Eggers is doing, right? Um, I mean, Eyes of Fire, which was which is a very very unusual film for the '80s, I guess it was, right? Early for 80s. any generation. Yeah, for any generation. 
he immediately does uh, a tribute to it with with the witch and and now with the lighthouse you've got two of the best actors around Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson uh on screen for 90 minutes losing their minds how can wow. you not want to watch that and um, at Astra, right, that Pat. is definitely a 70s Russian Polish style science fiction film mm-hmm. what film Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. From the, um, you know, you saw it, right, Stephen? I've uh, read spoilers of it enough to make you realize that it would make one hell of a book. um, The opening scene where they're working on um they're working in the upper atmosphere out on these um this this elevator platform and everyone's doing their job and then a terrible thing happens and um people start falling they start falling to their death all the way down to earth and it's it's a it's it's really quiet and it's really scary until they get until Brad Pitt gets all the way into the atmosphere where the noise starts and but it's it's so scary and it doesn't have to have all that noise it's just the thought him in his spacesuit all the way up looking down at the earth and then suddenly some catastrophe happens and they start falling all of the people. It's just it's it's fantastically beautiful and scary all at the same time. And it's not like two million explosions that don't even matter. It I don't know. It was just a beautiful film. Being quiet. Actually, there are plenty of explosions in the film, but um, it's in space, <laughs> so there's. Not a lot of noise. Yeah. And so, well, um, I want to move on now to just uh, something else that probably Carl only has like one sentence to say about this. But I, um, I got a lot of emails the other day. Not emails, a lot of text messages and a lot of Facebook activity the other day, and then finally I posted it on my Facebook. Um, uh, there's going to be a reunion in in one of our one of my favorite franchises, and that is the uh, Jurassic Park franchise, where they're going to bring back our favorite scientists, um, uh, Sam Neill, and um, oh, I can't even think right now, but. I Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern. Yeah, and Laura Dern, there you go, are going to come back to help try to save the world as the dinosaurs are now on real land, you know, land land, like human beings living on land. And, what, what, being um, on an island? Is it land land? <laughs> no, uh-uh, that's not land land. Tsunami can come wipe it out. Island. <laughs> Yes, it's an island. Very good. And so um, 
this whole thing, you know, the end of the Marvel Universe just happened this past summer with the big end game. I mean, could they have named it anything other than the end game? Ten movies. It's the end, people. What about this, Jurassic Park? Uh, you know, Carl, I, I know you hated it at Steven Spielberg, okay? But maybe we can have a discussion about bringing back these these characters into a franchise that really needs these characters if it's going to oh, I, I, live I happen past. to agree with you. I happen to agree with okay, you. The okay. only caveat I have is if they bring back Jeff Goldblum, he has to – he has to sing jazz. Are you familiar with what he's doing now? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I'm just saying, that's the only caveat I have. But you've got three really good actors there. Who are the best things about it? And, and the one thing I didn't like about the reboots is they're not there. <laughs> well, each one of them does come back. For um, a cameo, and yeah, uh, well, you're not not the Chris Pratt films. Yeah, they that's the there. one I'm well, referencing. Okay, those are the two. However, they do talk about Dr. Grant. They do talk about John Hammond. They do, um, unlike other uh, films with the mm. with a history. They, right. That never talk about their history, like Star Trek. We're not going to get into Star Trek right now. We will, though. We could talk about that um, and the firing of the writer. But um, they always talked about what Dr. Grant did, what Dr. Malcolm did. Um, uh, they always refer back to the original Jurassic Park. And so that is a, that's like, they kept to their canon, I guess, you could say. Yeah. And, and so, and then what's his name? Oh, what's his name? The guy who grows the eggs, who manipulates the DNA. He's been in almost every single movie. D.B. Cooper, um, not D.B. Cooper. Um, Long. D.B. Cooper. Yeah. You know, uh, Yes. Stole some money and, and, and disappeared. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, ain't well, that he a can... bitch? I jumped out of the damn airplane. It was going. I had the money. And I landed on these damn island full of dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, now that's a movie I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, or he, you know, oh, he like Cooper, ending hey, of Deep Rising. God, I wish they would have made a sequel to that. You know, well, who knows? Say it loud enough on the internet, and they might, because that's where they get all their ideas these days. Hollywood guys, execs for these movies, they get all their ideas. Look at, and so anyway, I'm going off on a tangent there. Um. Do you think that bringing back these beloved characters are going to save this franchise? Because yeah, it's not going to hurt. Woman, whose idea of character motivation is, I'm going to run through the entire movie in high heels. Oh, well, you know that's the that's a director's decision. 
<laughs> no, so, that was the actress's decision. It was? How How is yeah. it the actress's decision? She almost walked out of the movie unless they let her run through the entire movie in high heels. Oh, wow, that was stupid. I thought yeah. that was one of the stupidest parts of the whole film, is that she's <laughs> running around like that. I mean, I know that she was in, but wearing high heels in a dinosaur park is a little weird anyway. I run this dinosaur park, but I dress in a dress and high heels. I don't know. I mean, at least Dr. Hammond, um, he had on the whole safari outfit. That was pretty good. Yeah. You know, he he looked the part. He didn't at all. Okay, well, um, all right, so Jurassic Park is science fiction. We'll see if that really comes together. They've all said they're going to do it, and I think it's pretty um, pretty cool. Oh, I wanted to mention that The Expanse is going to start with its fourth season in December, and as it gets closer and closer, I'm going to have a show about The Expanse. And uh, I can't wait, but not only has the expanse, ha- not only is the fourth season coming, we don't even have to worry about the fifth season because not only has it already been ordered, they're already working on the fifth season. So, yay for us expanse fans. Can't wait. When does Westworld start? Um, January, I think. But as I was watching a lot of podcasts today, um, I watched a, a couple about um, and listened to a couple about Westworld, and I'm in that same. I buy my series that I like. You know, I have it on disc, so I don't have to worry about streaming because streaming, ever since um, uh, net neutrality and all that that bullshit happened, um, I I don't rely on my um, streaming services to watch my entertainment. So I always buy the um, discs, and I have not bought the second season, even though there are parts of the second season I love. Westworld, um, I'm really scared that it's not Westworld any anymore. So it's going to start in January, I think. And that's but I'm. Um, so they're hinting it's lo- going to go more into future world than West world. Right. I'm right. talking the movie, and, not the place. Right. Um. Everybody's dead. We won't get Peter Fonda. Damn it. Yeah, no, we he just died. Him. Wasn't that sad? I thought the fondest, you know, when 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 their father died, Henry, I really was um, unhappy for a long time because really sad because I thought that the Fondas were going to live forever. And no, I don't know, up. I'm irrational. Okay, let's see. I think. It's set to premiere in the first half of 2020, so they haven't even set a date yet. 
That's not good. I think that that's, um says that they're they're not sure that it's going to be as good as they want it to be. Or it's just HBO's laziness again. Which season of Game of Thrones was it where they just slacked off and it took forever? Oh, the last season. It took the last season was years to come out. Right. It took um, two years, over two years, for Game of Thrones season eight to come out. But that wasn't the only one. Game of Thrones used to always come out in um, springtime. At first, it came out in summer, and we could watch it all summer. I didn't have to go to work. It was great. Then they changed it to spring. And so I'm like, cool, because by the time that Game of Thrones, the end of Game of Thrones um, for that season, I'm going to be out of school. That's cool. I can deal with that. But then they started messing with, okay, now we're going to have Game of Thrones start in May and run it through half the summer. And so then you know things are not going well with the showrunners. And that's what I think is happening with Westworld. I think it's the showrunners, not so much HBO. Because HBO just turns out shows. They have all these new shows right now. Some of them That's are the really great. The thing that The Walking Dead ever brought in was that half-season bullshit. Right. Right. And then Netflix, how about Netflix and their worst thing ever, 10-episode seasons. That's just yeah, I, I disagree worse. with you guys. I like that. Okay. Why? Okay, because because Okay, it, if you know British television, British yeah. television generally is like six or eight episodes. And, and what it does is you can focus more in on like a miniseries type of thing where, where it's one story or one arc, you know, partic- and, and it, it, you know, they did that with, um, with uh, my favorite uh, zombie show, which is uh, Z Nation, they cut it into two segments, and and each segment had a specific thrust to it, and it worked rather well. I I, yeah, I like it. One small fact. What? BBC did it right. Yeah, you. I'm not saying it. they didn't. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you completely on it. Okay. Well, I'm not sure that I like 10 episodes. It's And especially 10 episodes when I have to wait more than a year for the next ep- season. I think that's too long. I mean, usually I could go back and read a book. When I have to wait for an author to write a book, by the time it's published and I can buy it, the author, if it's a series, the author is halfway done with the next one. So I may have to wait six months for the next book to come out. But with a, a television series that is ten episodes, and then I have to wait a year or two, 
I mean, you know, I don't live forever. And my life changes. Oh, he's never going to finish. He will never finish Game of Thrones. He just won't. Uh, There's, um, like, uh, uh, there's the new Lost in Space series, which is not the greatest series of all time or anything. I mean, it's good for families. It's not... It's not really that much like the old Lost in Space, but it's good enough for science fiction families, um, I'm science fiction show for families, okay? Ten episodes. When um, spring comes around, it'll be two years. They keep on, the, on the, the, the front page of the Netflix, when you want to, if you want to look at the information for Lost in Space, it says, yes. Season two coming, but it never says when. And it's been saying that now for, I don't know, a year and a half. Who cares? I care fucking less now. I'm just saying that you only tell half a story in 10 episodes. Where in 20 episodes or at least 15, you can really flesh out a story and give character arcs and and... And so, anyway. Well, I could go look at look at BBC where Carl said we got Sherlock. They did two five episode series, and they were complete stories, and they worked well. And Luther too. That was like four episodes, and they worked. But they have to write two five episode series instead of. Let's just split it down the middle, right, Carl? Right. Yeah, exactly. They have to write it that way, which, of course, the British do. Yeah, but not all not all British television is 13 episodes or 10 episodes. No, um, no, but I tell you what, it's very, very hard to find them now where they're 20 episodes or something like that. They They have really embraced the sense... And in fact, some of them, like uh, Inspector Morris, four episodes in a season. That's it. Yeah, but Luther always an hour and a half. Yeah. Inspector Morris is an hour and a half. You can tell a story in an hour and a half. Plus, right, exactly. they have history. But they have history, too. Yeah. Well, what am I. Well, if I was going to pick my favorite TV show of this decade. It would be one that was split into three parts, and that would be uh, Red Riding Story. I never watched it. I, I don't know it, so forgive me. What it is is it's set in, it's a story about a town that's dealing with a serial killer, and it's set in 1979, 1984. Oh, I heard about that, yes. I have heard about yeah, this. Red Riding Trilogy. And 1989. That's it's a lot good. like it has Dark. It Considine in it. It has uh, uh, Sean, the guy who always gets killed there. Sean Bean. Yeah, Sean Bean. It's just great. Great actors. Cool. Well, that's that also is the difference between 
you know, British television and uh, American television because American television is all about commercialism and being shallow yeah. and British yeah, television is about good writing. Up, uh, the Walking Dead. It's like, well, if we have two ten episodes, see, 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 half seasons, we can charge more and make more off of the ad revenue. Right, right. Right, exactly. And, and if I was going to pick the best one where they split up a season in the U.S., it would probably be season three of Star Trek The Next Generation. What do you mean? Where it showed half of the season and then Best of Both Worlds Part 1. The hmm. Borg. Right. That and was then a full, the second half of The Borg season. Part 2. Right, but that was full seasons. Those are full seasons. You know, full old seasons, you know, the 20, 23 seasons. Yeah, it's Those still weren't. the best split that America's ever done. That's what right. I'm saying. Right. Oh, I, that's a, I agree. I agree. How could you tell a story like um, Babylon 5 in 10 episodes? You couldn't. There's no way. Or right. me and Carl's favorite, one of me and Carl's favorite sci-fi series, uh, The Prisoner. How many episodes is that, Carl? Thirteen. Thirteen episodes, one season, and it's perfect. Yeah, seriously, perfect. But 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 okay, but also, how many characters are there? And really, who is there more than one character arc in The Prisoner? Yeah. Who's? There's, uh, like, how many uh, number twos are they, Two. Carl, in well, the series? You know what? That's not an arc. That's not an arc. She's right. Yeah, not, yeah I'm talking not about a arc. character arc. Where a character in the beginning is different than in the end. Where things happen to that. Is he different? Yeah. Is he static or a dynamic? uh, Leaves the first time and when he comes back towards the end of the series. Okay, so it's not Sebastian Cabot. It's it's Roy Kinnear is who you're talking about. Oh. Okay, uh, and and the thing is, he may not be playing the same number two, even though he looks like the same number two that he played before. Okay, you don't know that. So, so I I happen to agree with Vicky on this. He's okay. the only character that has an arc, but even even McGowan doesn't exactly have a normal arc. Right? right, because, because he's he, always he wants, fighting. Right, he wants to get away. Wants to get he out. Wants to get away. So, so even I would argue with you. Does he really have an arc? Until I we, think he does. And we're not going to say. 
I'm not going to reveal the end because the end is an absolute head scratcher and, and, and that, but right. really it's about, it's about him striving to get away. And each time he's, he's foiled, but he still has the ability to try again. But does that change? Well, he has an arc if you buy the fan theory, which I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Now, I'm just looking at what was presented. Not theories, but what's presented in the series. Right. So, the th- what I think is that if you want to tell, I'm okay. Let's let's even talk about Sherlock, because Sherlock has not only does it have how many renditions in film, how many different actors playing Watson and Sherlock and all of that, but you also have the books and you have so many stories. You can you can take that. That's a, it's a gold mine, and you bring it to the television, and you can do three or four one-and-a-half-hour, 90-minute shows, and everybody's going to be completely satisfied because you know those characters. Whereas if you have a brand-new show with brand-new characters and you have more than three characters, how do you flesh out those characters in 10 episodes it's it's really hard and not only that give some kind of believable world you have to build that world also and i just i just find that these things that i keep watching on netflix these little shows with 10 episodes are they leave you with too many questions or just kind of empty like okay wow I just spent all this time on these 10 shows, and that's like reading half a book. When do I get to read the other half of the book? I'm saying that this is becoming normal, and I don't like it. And Netflix is getting too gun-happy, trigger-happy. Yeah. Oh, Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, did you know that Netflix makes more money than Disney? Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> That's stunning. When I found I found that out like six weeks ago or something. And it was like, what? Netflix is worth more than Disney with Marvel and everything else, Star Wars and everything? Netflix makes more money. I'd like to have that business plan. But I see the, the, the beginning of the end. Now they're starting to hurt because a lot of the Tastings like uh, are starting to take their st- their programs back for their own streaming services. Right. That's the problem. Which, um, streaming is going to be, as in the next five years, it's going to be so fragmented. Yeah, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be like the early days of cell phone service. Yeah, imagine Carl to watch the ten shows you like. You gotta watch. You gotta buy ten different streaming channels. Yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah. 
Right. They're going to find out that everybody can't do that. The reason why Hulu even made money is because it brought together so many different um, networks and, um, you know, cable shows and bought those shows and brought them in. And even though they stay for only a short amount of time, if you buy Hulu, then at least if you're if you're smart enough, you get in there, you watch your shows, and then um, wait for something else. Yeah. But and they nurture but, their own babies, like uh, yeah. The Handmaid's Tale, which is oh my God, so depressing. And Amazon too was there. They're knee deep in the hardcore sci-fi. Well, oh, yeah. thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, two of uh, Carl's favorite sci-fi author has a show. Philip K. Two Philip K. Dick shows. Well, they haven't. You know, that's another thing. There's Electric Dreams. Hasn't had a new installment in two years this winter. It's been two yeah. years. And so are they going to have another one? I hear talk of it, but I don't see anything. But The Man in the High Castle is supposed to be coming out this month, in October, this next month. And yeah. that's going to be the last season. And I do really like that show. That is is really, um, it took... It took the um, the book and it went logically further than the book went. And a lot of people can't do that, namely the showrunners to Game of Thrones, right? Right. Without the without the books, Game of Thrones just every season went further and further down the path of this is bullshit. And so. And to segue, or they could be like the Star Trek showrunners right now who are driving down the road doing 95 miles an hour wearing blindfolds while driving the car backwards in in the wrong lane. Oh, okay. Man in the High Castle will be out November 15th. Yay. Season four, last season. Okay, are are you talking about Star Trek Discovery? Well, yeah. Anything they've done with the last two or three series, they've done everything in their power to screw it up. Right. It's like they get right. pissed off that they don't destroy a part of the mythos. Well, that's what they keep doing. And I know that Picard, you know, here's a here's a thing. My friend's daughter is in that show. Mm-hmm. My friend's daughter has a part in Star in Picard, mm-hmm. and I really hope for her that this is the beginning of her great career because Star Trek could, can really do great things for your career. I mean, Chris Pine, mm-hmm. Chris Pine can be in anything he wants now. And um, what's his name who was Spock? He can be in anything he Spock wants. Spock, Rick Quinto. Yeah. 
I mean, um, I'm well. He was in he was in Heroes, and he was like fantastic in in Heroes. Um, but Picard, uh, CBS is everything is on that show. That show has to make it. It just has to make it because Discovery is not such a great show because they don't stick to canon. And plus, uh, well, this is the big topic we're we're singing into. They did a bad thing last month, wouldn't you say, guys, just to get into the subject, Carl? Who did a bad thing? I don't know what we're talking about specifically. Star Trek Lots of people did bad things. I did. Okay. I, I haven't followed it, so you have to forgive me. Oh, you know uh-huh. what I'm doing, because it's about the only Star Trek thing I've I'm freaking... Uh, oh, we've fancy. talked about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well... Well, I just... um, Walter Mosley, you know, he is not just an African-American writer. He is a successful African-American writer. He writes across genres. He's um, got, like... 40 books to his name. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to work. But Alex Kurtzman asked him to come into Star Trek Discovery because Star Trek Discovery is written really poorly. And even though I know some people who know those people and love them dearly and all this stuff, I still, every time I try to watch the show, I, the main character, when she starts giving her speeches, I just want to, like, gouge my ears out, you know? Like, I don't want to hear this because her speeches are terrible. Maybe she's just a terrible actress. I don't know. Something's wrong about that show. And they need a a writer like Walter Mosley to help them. And so who knows what the circumstances were, but, but he was relating a personal story in the writer's room about talking to a police officer, and the police officer was the one who was being racist, and he goes, well, I call those people this, and I call those people that, and I always call these people the N-word. And so why can't a black man tell this story without any repercussions? So somebody in the writer's room, somebody must be a m- millennial, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, um, went to the producers, well, went to HR and said, hey, I don't like what, um, I don't like the way that guy said that N-word, and I want an apology. And so Walter Mosley quit. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, here's what annoying me, and I'm going to use the word because of the stupidity it goes to. And even in the story where they wrote about this, they talked about this. The story was, he's like, if I see a wop in nigger town, I'm going to pull him over and harass him. But if I see a nigger in wop town, 
I'm going to harass the black guy because they're there to cause nothing but trouble. And when they wrote about the story in the paper, in the article, which I sent Carl, I don't know if I sent you. They didn't censor the word WAP, but they censored the N-word. So you can't say the N-word, but you can say WAP? Yes, because WAP happens to be a white-skinned person. Actually, no, WAP is Italian. That's uh, all colored, but... Carl, which one of those words would not get you stabbed well, if you went I'm to that part of town and called somebody that? Wait, wait, uh, wait. Go ahead. I've heard ahead. this word all my life. At school, the kids are always calling me white. Okay? I they call no, And then the ones who are kind of sensitive will call me Caucasian. And I go, I am not Caucasian. I'm not from the 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 mountains they call the Caucasus. I'm not from that area of the world. And they they look at me really weird. And I go, you know what? When you start calling people things, you need to know exactly what that word means before you say it. But it's okay to say WAP or um, spick or whatever about anyone else. But if you say the N-word, then then somebody's going to throw in that um, that PC correctness? Yeah. And so what? Shall I go on this word? one, guys? Can I talk? Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Carl. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, there, there's a number of things that bother me about this, okay? Now, if I you understand... you drink water first, Carl, you're coughing there, and you sound a little dry. No, no. I'm sorry. I was coughing. I apologize. Okay. So, anyway, you've got... You, okay, Walter Mosley, who is a, a tremendous writer, uh, uh, writes several uh, uh, of my favorite books, particularly Devil in the Blue Dress, which I just love. Uh, the man has a great language uh, uh, ability. Okay? He's brought into the show. Okay? He is black. And he is relating a story that happened to him. Okay? Now, if anyone deserves to say the word, the N-word, it's someone who is black particularly if you're looking at something that happened previously in a different era, which, of course, this thing happened to him when he was young. Okay? So my, my whole thing about these, these uh, words that, that uh, uh, tick off people and, and make people, you know, look at the context. Look at the time frame. Look at all these things. It's just like, you know, there are books like Laura Ingle Wilder, who who is uh, 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 now being uh, Little House on the Prairie is now being banned because of the use of the N word. Well, what do you expect? You know, ten. It's during the Jim Crow era. You know, it's showing how people 
active back then. You know, let's teach people about context and why the words are bad instead of just reacting to them and saying, oh, because they use that word, it's bad. You're racist. No. Context. 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 That's what I got to say. Yeah, well, um, I cannot get into this at all, except I'm going to say this. Hopefully, I don't get fired. Um, I was told in my, I was told by a superior this week in my classroom that there are certain words that I am no longer allowed to say in my classroom. I can't tell you the word. But if you know me and you've been in my classroom, you know I don't say, and it was not a swear word. But I had a kid or several kids, I don't know, because I didn't get context. All I was told is that um, somebody complained about me using a certain word and that I'm not allowed to use that anymore. Even though when I was talking with a a student in, in another complete context and everything, that student used that word. It's a common word, common. People use it all the time. But I can't use it anymore. And so something is happening in this world that is really scaring me. Scaring, scaring me. I I thought McCarthyism was over, but that whole idea of the McCarthyism, I know this isn't communism, but something is happening, and I'm scared about the future of our country. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, to quote a famous author, and once I say the quote, you know, you guys know I'm talking about, he said, when words become more dangerous than action, then that's when it's scary to be alive. Right. Yes. And that's George yeah. Orwell. And yep. that's, and I've been saying this whole year, every time, every time I come out of a meeting, I'm like, was that 1984? Are we in 1984? And I don't understand, and I'm I'm very vocal about it, that um, how come I'm supposed to be a professional, and when I order books, my titles have to be run, run by the person in charge because that person wants to make sure that the titles or these books are not going to offend well, if you remember I... in Donnie Darko, Du Barrymore's character was fired right. for teaching Watership Down. Exactly. Exactly. I would never bring that book into my class right now. I mean, in fact, I'm a little books scared. That we love that are really banned in schools nowadays. Uh, Clockwork Orange? You can't read that. You can't read that in school anymore. Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. 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 Um. 
Well, I'm not supposed to because I'm in 10th grade. I can't read Fahrenheit 451 anymore, not because it went to 11th grade like when I first couldn't, but because it now it's a 8th grade book. And the kids don't even get it. They don't understand it because I tried to talk to them about it. They're like, yeah, we read that in eighth grade. And I'm like, good. Do you understand what it meant? And I tried to have a conversation with them. They didn't understand any of the concepts because they're, it's too way over a, um, a ten, or an eighth grader's head. Yeah. But does, that, does that matter? No. But here, you can't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I never thought I I was in high school. Right. It, you should be exposed to that in high school. I think they're going to ban night next. I really do. I think that um, it's going to be it's it's too graphic about what's happening, you know, as they're killing, as the Nazis are coming in and, and killing and rounding people up. I think that's just going to be too much for for these poor, sensitive youngins. And so I don't know where to go with this PC thing. You know, Stephen, it made me think when, when this thing happened to me the other day, made me think about all the times that we've sat here on your show, on my show, and talked about um, the PC culture. Uh, We've talked about how um, that poor young woman in Star Wars was ripped apart, PC culture in in gaming, the PC culture, all all these different things. And now it's just, it's so out of control that I don't know if it can be changed without some kind of revolution. Well, if you want to hear, you should watch this trailer for this uh, movie me and Carl are going to talk about on Thursday. I think Christy even put it up, uh, and they think the Joker is, is scary. Did you ever see it was the trailer for that movie called Cuck? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, that movie is more dangerous. In my opinion, then Joker ever will be, wouldn't you say, Carl? I'd say you are probably right about that. I would happen to agree with you on that. Well, I don't under well, I understand why people are afraid. Like I wouldn't go see the Joker this weekend. Um I just I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to a midnight showing um, because people are literally crazy. Um, but besides that, I don't think that we should be censoring people's language. I don't think we should be censoring people's stories. I don't think that we should be censoring people's um, creations because that's what gets us into where we're afraid to speak up and say things. If you read yeah. sci-fi, if you're in Carl's generation, that's one of the major themes of it, isn't it, Carl? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
all that dystopian stuff, yes, but that we're in it now. I've been saying forever since like 2011, 2012, that we are firmly in Fahrenheit 451. Okay, I've been read. saying for at least uh, as long as that that we're on a Philip K. Dick novel. So yeah, yeah, yeah the I kids agree. don't read, you know, and they're they're they've got their freaking earbuds in all the time, and big screen TVs. Parents are distracted by their phones or their big TVs, binge watch, watching, um, reality TV, um, uh, or or YouTube. Here, this is how you do your makeup. Everyone, you know, it's really strange. Something funny happened at work a year ago. You know, Vicki. You know, Everyone. Uh, well, finish what? up, and I got something to say. Go ahead. Okay, a year ago, the um, things were starting to change in women's fashion as far as makeup goes. And there is a new style of um, eyebrow. Okay, I don't, I don't buy into any of this bullshit. I've never have, never will, nothing. Uh, you don't like me the way I look. Don't look at me. Don't be my friend. So um, anyway, the girls, I see the girls starting to, the 15, 16, 17-year-olds starting to do all their eyebrows the same. And then suddenly all the women on campus, you know, the women like the 20 five-year-olds all the way up to the 70-year-olds on campus. I mean, we have a wide range of women on campus are all now doing their eyebrows this way. And I was walking around just totally, I'm like, okay, I must look like the freak who doesn't put all that shit makeup on. But all of them are watching YouTube. And all of them are learning how to do their makeup on YouTube. And that reminds me of, of Fahrenheit 451 with Mildred and her, her, her family from the soap operas on the big screen TV. Another <laughs> thing would be the Twilight Zone episode. The Twilight Zone episode, Eye of the Beholder. You're the only one yeah. without the eyebrows and everybody else has the mask. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. Oh yeah, you know, you know, Vicky, things, uh, Well, okay. Can I jump in here because yeah, I need yes, to say this? Yes. Okay. So, I I'm now in New York. So back in the '80s, okay, you're walking around, you're seeing somebody during that time frame talk to themselves. What do you do? You go across the street and don't don't bother me. I'm gonna go over there. Now I'm walking down the street. Everybody's got earbuds on talking to themselves. It's like, what happened here? You know, seriously. You know, we're all so self-engaged that, that, that we don't even talk to people anymore. Oh, you know, so and, that was saying, Carl, that New York City's become a Harry Nielsen song. Yeah. Oh, you it, did it's it. really yeah. strange. It's because because seriously, I walk down the street and people, you know, are walking, are, you know, talking business or doing whatever they're doing, or they're looking at the phone. They're not even, you know, it's like you don't even make eye contact anymore. I'm on a subway. I make eye contact with someone, and suddenly they're like, go back to their phone. Like, good God, people, seriously. Well, okay, enough. 
now. You know what we're doing tonight on this show, Carl? What? What we used to do every Saturday night back in the 80s and 70s and 60s. Get together with people and talk. Get together with our friends and just BS. Right. Right. Have basic human contact. Whatever happened to basic human contact? Well, the tech giants don't want us to do that. We won't be on their devices, and we won't be paying $1,200 for a new iPhone, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And you know I what scares a, um, crap out of me? Yeah. Is that... Me and Carl could be talking, and Carl's like, my phone isn't working that good. I wish I had a new phone. And then him, and then two days later, on his Facebook feed, on the ads, there's ads for a new freaking phone. Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. scariest thing of all. Well, that's your Philip K. Dick universe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's Philip um, K. Dick. Yeah. That's my, that's my minority how... report. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's real now. It is yeah. totally real now. And nobody cares. Nobody fucking cares. I know. It's like, it's, and that's exactly yeah, what, 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 what Phil K. Dick was talking about, that nobody cares except this one okay, person. Can I, and he usually can gets trodden down. And, what? This is why science fiction is so important. This is why reading science fiction writers is so bloody important. Because everything that those people who were writing in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, that's all come to pass. The only thing that we're not doing is living on Mars yet. It's the only thing. Our freedoms are gone. But, yeah, Minority Report. Now, when you walk by, if you're in Walmart, well, they, they've started taking those things away because people are getting scared and pissed, and it was triggering. Um, they used to have those little screens. As you walk by, it would start talking to you mm-hmm. and, you know, pitching whatever type of product it was. Well, I think they got rid of them because they were, they were scaring people. They were triggering people. And so, but, I mean, for quite a while, they, just like in Minority Report, just like the film, where um, the lead character is running down the mall trying to get away from the bad guys, and, and the ads are saying, hey, and using his name, and he can't get away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. Philip K. Dick is rolling around in that grave, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, seriously. There's so much Actually, more. No, I he isn't. Roll around in the grave. He's uh, sitting up and going, I told you. Y'all didn't listen to me. I told you. Y'all didn't listen to me, so just fuck y'all. Just bye. I ain't dealing with And don't, and don't think that this, uh, we haven't gotten into the political situation, but don't think that this political situation, he didn't have some you know, very prescient things to say. You know, it, it's well, really yeah. scary about Philip K. Dick. 
I miss it when it's books depressing. were literally dangerous. Yeah. Well, okay. Getting back to what we were saying about PC, isn't that what we want? Don't we want to shake up people? You know, and shake them and say, "Look at this, right?" You know, when when I went to school, you know, and Vicky, when our our generation, you know, that's exactly what they wanted you to think for yourself. And luckily, you had a really good English teacher. I had a really good English teacher. And, and, and that's what they wanted us to do, or philosophy or whatever we got into. But nowadays, it's not that way at all. And I, and I don't blame the millennials. I blame, you know, who put the rules up, which isn't the friggin' millennials. Yeah. It's, it's us. Well, don't forget well, I don't blame what us. Your, your boy Frank said. Oh, yeah. Of, the problem is is they don't want you to think. They want to tell you what to think. They want you to stop thinking. They don't want you yeah. to have ideas. You know, thank, thank God when I was growing up, there were people like Frank Zappa, people like Philip K. Dick that I connected with and understood that. And, and, and Vicki, you certainly had had influences like that too with the people you read, right? Well, yeah. Of course. And I was so, I don't know, I thought because I guess I really am on the fringe of society because I thought everyone read these things. Every Well, my entire class read Brave New World in 1984 and I just figured that they got from it the same warnings that I got from it but no they didn't because most of the people from my high school time have bought into all this bullshit everyone's buying the new iPhone everyone has the new iWatch or whatever Yeah, you know you know you know Philip K. Tick was talking about drugs and uh, controlling people, but drugs don't have to be drugs. Drugs can be iPhones. Drugs can be whatever we're hooked on. Well, there is like um, Brave New World has Soma, right? Right. And so Soma um, could be oxycodone, okay? Mm-hmm. It could uh, be, Somas are um, Somas. Yeah, just just the thing is is that we do have those designer drugs and they are killing us and they are making us compliant and that's what they but, want. But, but, well, all, I, all I'm saying is that in, in in a story like Philip K. Dick and he talks about substance D whatever the case would be. Yeah, he's talking about right. drugs, but that also can represent something else in our society that makes us like uh, drugged out, like phones, or whatever it or, be. Or nicotine? Or Not nicotine. Carl? Well, even right. not narcotics. Uh, TV. Right. Uh, I completely... Or the new or cool movie. Video games. Oh, I got to see the new Joker movie. Oh, I got to see the new Star Wars movie. Oh, I got to see the new Marvel film. I got to see the new big flashy movie. Right. Yeah. I'd be the first one to admit that movies are my drugs. 
Right. I, I, I would, too. I would be the first one to say that um, I love my streaming service. And what can I say? I love my streaming service. Me, and, I'm old-fashioned. Give me cigarettes and coffee. Anyway. <laughs> I like um, that I can watch almost anything I want on my TV yeah. and my surround sound on my new couch. I'm so happy I have a new couch. You know, I mean, sure, I like those things, but I'm not overboard on them. Yes, I love my video games, but I play less now than I used to. I'm just, um, I don't know. When you say that these things are our drugs, they are, but it just depends on how we use them. And that's true, too. That Absolutely, that's true. Who was it uh, that said... When the, the it it gets dangerous when the things that you own start to own you. I don't know who said that, but they're right. Yep. That's that's um like I'm still of the 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 generation of delayed satisfaction or gratification, whichever you want to say. I will still reward myself with um, ice cream. I will still reward myself with watching three, you know, binging a show. I will do my work. I will get my things done, my chores, whatever, and then I will reward myself. So I, I still, again, I must be on the edge. I must be on the fringes of society where that's not an normally what happens anymore in somebody's life. Yeah. Instant gratification can be dangerous. Right. Because I, you know, I, I think about the... instant gratification oh, is good is when you got to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. And that's true. Oh, it feels so good. I agree. Uh, all or right, guys. If you're I'm really hungry. Uh, yeah, that's true too. Which yeah, I okay. Do get. So wrap and, it and, up. Uh, let's yeah talk about two deaths that happened uh, this past oh, right. two weeks. First one is uh, wh- who was it? One of the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine. Oh yes, here. Um, yeah. Um, he played the sun, right? I got his face right here. Right. Oh. Um. Oh heck! They don't have his name. They just have. He was. Um. He was born in 1969, and he died in. 2019, so that's kind of cool. That's, that's yeah, that's younger than us. That's yeah. one year older than me. Just one year. Yeah. Oops. Um, I can't. I, I here's all his pictures. I have lots and lots of pictures of him. 
Mm-hmm. And I apologize to his family and his wife, who is just in so. Here we go. Aaron Eisenberg. Uh, he's in lots of things. He's been in all kinds of shows. He's been in film. He's an extremely intelligent human being as far as in his personal life. All kind, um, It's really a heartbreaking thing that he passed away. I think he was, what, 51 or 50. Yeah, so young. Such a shame. But, you know, there are people out there that believe that Deep Space Nine was the best of all Star Trek. And I don't I don't think so. But there's there's you, Stephen. So what was Nog to you as far as a character? Oh, I like because everybody had their own unique arc and own unique personality. And they all changed throughout the series. Right. Very true. Yep. And the second one that died, well, he was uh, one of uh, Victor Buono, King Tut's henchmen on Batman. He was on the original Star Trek. Do you know he who was we're talking the main about? Bad guy, and the only thing oh, I to watch on Jason the Star Command. If you haven't watched it, the entire season is up on YouTube, and you need to get it because it's not on any streaming service. He was in the sci-fi movie Galaxy of Terror in the in the nineties. He was. Wasn't he in an episode of uh, Outer Limits too, Carl? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I'm yeah, up he was in oh, an amazing amount of stuff, but all amazing people amount only of really know him for two roles, and that would be the great Sid Haig, who. Really, he's a horror god. Well, he was in just about as much sci-fi as he was in horror. Isn't that right, Carl? Oh, absolutely. And 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 regular films, too. Right. You know, yeah. TV, everything. so much TV. All kinds of, of genres, okay? Um, mm-hmm. uh uh, westerns. I mean, he was in all. He was in everything. He was uh, the utility player of actors. Mhm. And and did you realize? Born in Fresno. What? Yeah, he was born in Fresno. He's a Fresno boy. You're right. Born in Fresno, California. Holy crap! <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, um, um, Mike, what's Well, that means there are two good things that came out of Fresno. Well, Mannix, the guy who played Mannix came from Fresno. Cher. No, no, no. I'm talking um, about you. (laughs) I wasn't born in Fresno. But you're in Fresno, so you count. 
Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever. He's I'm trying. So native. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, but my career is nothing like Sid's. His is. His was um. Um. Incredible. Like here's here's a picture of him playing an Indian, and you know, oh, excuse me, a Native American. <laughs> here's him in um. Uh, a war movie, something like Iraqi War or something. You know, I mean, he played everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at these pictures. He was in Kill Bill, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Bone okay, Man from Uncle. He was in Batman, Man from Uncle, The Lucy Show. Yeah. See, I mean, no. what I said, utility player. Yep. And the thing is, he was a super, super nice guy. Look at he had a recurring role in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we played that clip. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of clip that if we played it on your show, Vicky, you probably would get released from your job. <laughs> oh, I think I already probably blew it with what I said earlier. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, Sci-Fi lost two good ones this past two weeks. Right. Actually, the entertainment business, because Aaron, he was in all kinds of other genres also. So we, you know, the people who are character actors who go in and uh, assume a role, no matter what the genre is. You know, you could you can make a great argument about um, they're better actors than than the people who we give Academy Awards to who play the same damn role over and over again. It's just a different film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these guys were real actors. Yeah. And that's so, so the I sad just, part. I, I just have to mention one thing, which which was a film that uh, Sid completed before he passed away. It's going to be released VOD probably in November or late uh, uh, or early uh, early uh, 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 December. And it's called Hanukkah. And he plays, he has the, basically the lead role, and he plays... Uh, uh, it's about a um, serial killer who's who, who who's killing killing uh, and might be possessed by a demon, and he plays a rabbi who goes after this demon and this serial killer, and I just cannot wait to see <laughs> Sid Haig as a Hasidic kick ass. I'm just looking forward. <laughs> Okay, we gotta call a night because I'm feeling sick here. Yeah, Aww. I know we got to. I'm sorry, but yeah. And I'm done. oh, don't worry. And thank you for being on and doing the one of your show. I can tell you You're from welcome. when I posted it today in uh, a movie and uh, showing it to Tracy. Oh, there's people excited uh-huh. for this, Vicky. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it wasn't my normal show, so I hope they they liked it. Especially okay. you, Tracy. I love you so much. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. My boss is in. Okay. Well, all right. Good night. Okay. Everyone, good thanks night, for having me on. Oh, and thank good you night. for being on too, Carl. It wouldn't be the same without you. Though we right. won't say thank that you, off Carl. the air. Off the air won't be mean to you as usual. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys okay. later. Bye. Okay, okay, bye. bye.